discuss the application environmental factors that affect host herbicide efficacy. And one of the things, of course, you want to do before you really get into it is always check out your equipment, make sure it's really functioning good. And one thing that's really important we've noticed over the years is to have even pressure throughout the boom. Do that even before you start to calibrate. And you want to get a couple of good gauges, the stainless steel, glycerin filled, and then put them on adjoining nozzles and then rotate them and see how those two gauges read against each other. Usually there's a pound or two difference and you want to mark that on one of the gauges and then leave one in place and then go up and down the boom to check the pressure throughout the sprayer before you even begin calibrating it. So that's a pretty important thing to do. And of course, don't forget calibration. Of course, this is what you want, 100% weed control and not something that looks like this. And for effective weed control with post applications, you really need to adequately contact the weeds, be absorbed in sufficient quantities, of course, move within the weed to the site of action, and of course, have toxic levels at that site of action. Now, there's a lot of factors here, and we're going to discuss a pretty good number of those in our presentation here the water, the herbicide rate, spray nozzle, and so forth. But there's a lot of factors there that are really involved in foliar or post-applied protection products. It's interesting though, when we look at complaints over the years, a drift is of course the number one complaint, but tank contamination is a big one too. So we gotta make sure we clean out that sprayer and of course, non-performance of the product is always a big item too. This shows you how in cleaning the sprayer, uh, I remember on this call, uh, they had been filling their applicator and spraying on a Friday afternoon and they loaded the fourth load uh, to go out and spray and they looked to the west and they said, you know, it's gonna rain here pretty fast and it won't be rain fast before the rain hits. So it rained pretty good, and it was Monday afternoon before they get out spraying again. And this is where they started spraying. You can see the injury, and most of the big injury was in the uh, spray boom, and it dissolved a lot of the product out, even though they sprayed about three loads. Uh, and ahead of that, it wound up with no problems at all. So you really got to do a good job of cleaning those sprayers. And you know, you look at one of the problems we find at the end of the booms and so forth, and this is what we found in one of the uh, sprayers here, and the buildup of the uh, chemicals and so forth that could cause a lot of injury. Nozzle types, you got to make sure we select that right nozzle type. We don't have that one nozzle that does everything. You're probably going to need three or four sets of nozzles, and we'll talk a bit more about that in another one of these presentations following here. Water carrier volume, droplet size. This is some work that we did. And we did this at Peric with Paraquat and Anthrazine. We did it at only 10, seven and a half and five gallons per acre. We really recommend you probably use 20 gallons. And we'll talk about that in just a second here. But we used three different nozzle types in XR that gave us a medium droplet size at 10 gallons. 
also a medium at seven and a half and a fine at five gallons per acre. And then we used the drip guard nozzle, which gave us a course at all those three levels. And then a turbo flood, which is extremely coarse droplet size, which is a pretty big droplet size. And we use that at 10 and seven and a half. Uh, they don't make a small enough nozzle in that one to let us do the uh, comparison at five gallons per acre. When we look at this, the contact herbicides and so forth, and you go down here and find thermoxone, which is, of course, paraquat, and you can see it's a non-translocated one. And you can move over to the next column and you see intermediate on mobility and anthracenes listed. So you can see we haven't got a lot of movement of those, so we're going to need pretty good coverage with that. Also, as you go down and look at Liberty and Knight, you can see where it falls into the class here in intermediate. And be sure to read the label directions and so forth. Very, very critical to read those. Uh, gives you a lot of good information on application. Spray droplet size really makes a difference on coverage and so forth. You know, when you drop in, from 500 microns to 250, you don't get twice as many droplets, you get eight times. And you could see we could probably put about four of those over and cover the 500 micron droplet. And so you really double the coverage as you go to the smaller droplet size. And just kind of review in the micron sizes of various things, the number two pencil we always talk about is 2000 microns standard paper clip about 850 the standard staple about 420 and as we look at this droplet size and the coverage we go to the top one there a thousand microns in size at 10 gallons an acre and you get just 12 droplets per inch now per square inch you go down to 250 that'd be one fourth the size but then we get 738 droplets per square inch. So you can re again see it really makes a big difference. Let's look at it a little bit. Let's take the middle column here at 20 gallons per acre. And at 250, we got 1,475 droplets per square inch. And at 500, 184. And then if we got out to 1,000, we only have 23. So it really makes a difference on spray droplet size on coverage, especially when we're talking about those contact herbicides. We did this work with the Tyler Patriot. We wanted to be more consistent in the results than a plot sprayer, so we used a bigger sprayer on this. And which nozzle tip, XR, extended range, drift guard, or total flood would you expect to give the best control of paraquat nitrogen? Well, I think when you looked at the uh, mobility of paraquat or bromoxone there, you're going to want something pretty fine spray particle size. And so we're probably going to look at the XR. We'll see if those results came out to that. And here at 10 gallons per acre, the XR is on the extreme left, median droplet size. You can see in all cases at seven and a half, middle one at five and of course the 10 uh, it's always a little advantage 
to have the XR nozzle with the finer droplet size. In this case, a medium on both the 10 gallon spray for the seven and a half, we get down to five, that's a smaller nozzle, and so we ended up with a fine particle size. Um, the drip guard a little bit less, where we really fell off when we were using the turbo flood nozzle, uh, it really gave us a lot less control. And of course, you'd expect that with those types of herbicides. And this was with triazine resistant tosha, as you see in the upper left. And so we didn't get much help out of the anthrazine on that. It had all the paraquat. So it really shows up the results of the gramoxone or paraquat here. And when we look at green foxtail, real similar results. And this shows you some work that North Dakota did. Let's go over to the amaranth one towards the center, just a little bit to the right. And you can see the 20 gallons per acre was far superior to the five or 10 gallons per acre rate uh, with Ignite or Liberty here on amaranth. And then this is a real interesting works that Tommy Butts did here. And you can see quite a difference on control here. The upper right one has just about 100% control. And let's get the rest of the information here. And this is the spray particle size he used. He used the Liberty at 22 ounces. And there is, of course, the upper left, uh, the control one, 150 microns, not much control in that, but almost 100% control with 300 microns in size which is a medium spray particle, and that would probably be recommended uh, for this particular product. And you can see, as we went up in particle size, uh, we started to give up more and more in control. This is some work Paul Fing did with Monsanto. He used three nozzle types. Now remember, these are pretty small nozzle types. These are 0.15 gallon per minute. And of course, that'd be at 40 PSI. But he used the XR, which gave him a fine particle size at that size nozzle. Uh, a turbo T-Jet gave him a medium droplet size. And then the very coarse droplet size came from the air induction nozzle. Those were all run at 34 PSI. And then he sprayed Roundup Ready corn, and this was the percent retention on the Roundup Ready corn. And you can see he got the best results there with the fine spray particle size, which of course was produced with the extended range nozzle. Now, which nozzle tip will give the most translocation of Roundup into the roots? And you look at that, you'd probably say the fine one because there was more on the plant, but actually it came out to be the AI nozzle, a little bit drop, bigger in droplet size. And that's what we find, one of bigger droplet size with the air induction nozzle for spraying the glyphosate. And that's the AI nozzle is, of course, the blue line at the top of the column on each one. You can see the total uptake was greater with a bigger particle size, and the wetland translocation was also greater. This is some work we did uh, on particle size, and we were the first ones, I think, in the world to do this, and where we took water and looked at the spray particle size on our laser, and then we added Roundup WeatherMax and 2% AMS. 
And uh, just to save a little time, let's go all the way to the right side and look at the AIXR nozzle. That's probably a good one to uh, look at. And you can see with just plain water, uh, we ended up with almost 500 microns in size. When we added Roundup WeatherMax and 2% AMS, we got it all the way down to just slightly over 300 microns in particle size. Uh, we added array, it didn't make a lot of difference, but a couple other products in place and interlock almost brought it back up to where it was with plain water. So you can see what effect that uh, Roundup WeatherMax and 2% AMS had on spray particle size, it really decreased it a lot in, uh, in particle size, and that makes a big difference. And so these additives, really, you get a lot of drip with those smaller spray particles that you end up with, and uh, they won't be much bigger than some of the other nozzle types. Then this was some other work that was done. This is with a fungicide, and they used a regular flat fan nozzle, an ADO2, and had almost close to 95, 96% control. They, this is the old flood nozzle they used, and the maximum you should use that would be 40 PSI. It's only labeled from like 10 to 40 PSI. And you can see that uh, when they got even higher, the 55 PSI, they picked up a lot more fines out of that nozzle. And control was down at pressures above that. And but that's not a good, nozzle to use with a fungicide application. So it really makes a big difference on nozzle selection, the kind of results you're going to have with the various pesticides. This is some work on the water carrier volume, which was really interesting. Um, hard water on redwood pigweed didn't make much difference whether you had a pH of 8.2, deionized water, water at 800 parts per billion calcium or added AMS, you also got 99% control about perfect with every one. Now you look at the lambs quarter and velvet leaf and you see some real differences. Uh, quite a change from the top one with just hard water or going down to the bottom line with water with 800 parts per million calcium and then added AMS and then you almost got as good a control as the redwood pigweed, which was not affected so much by the water source. But you can see it really important sometimes uh, if you got hard water to make sure you add the right you know, products to it to take care of the problem. And the Roundup label you know, recommends eight and a half to 17 out west in western Nebraska, we got a lot of hard water. Our standard recommendation is 17 pounds of AMS per 100 gallons and so forth. Uh, North Dakota has an equation they use, and of course, that can save you some money um, if you put all the figures in there because a lot of people can get by with eight and a half pounds per 100 gallons of spray solution. Okay, and you've all heard over the years what AMS does. It overcomes the antagonism on leaf surface, 
helps with the movement of glyphosate through the cuticle and so forth. We did some work on a soybean canopy penetration study. And the reason we did this a number of years ago is we thought soybean rust was going to be a major problem for us. Fortunately, it hasn't. But soybean rust really starts to develop on the base of the soybean plant. So we wanted to get pesticide down to that canopy. And so we located cards throughout there so we could measure how much we actually got down there. And a lot of people say you can drive it down there, get a small nozzle and high pressure, and you're actually going to drive it down through the canopy and get it down where it needs to be. So we did some work trying to figure that out. We use different nozzles. We give different nozzle directions and different pressures, trying all those factors out that we did in the study. What it really came out to, and that 15 and 30 you see in the left one, was the lowest uh, recommended pressure rate for the nozzle type we were using. And that was superior in getting more of the pesticide down through the canopy using a lower pressure. And this shows that as we go over here, you're looking for the one that has the most yellow or tan there. And uh, that's actually the one on number 16 there, a turbo T-jet and an 06 size and using it at 15 PSI. And you can see how it really dropped off in the amount there when we increase the pressure to 30 and increase the pressure to 60. Now, the 30 PSI gave us a lot more uh, on the uh, top of the canopy, but we're trying to get it down in the bottom of the canopy in the soybean. So you want to use the lower pressure and have a bigger droplet size. Okay, application time of day it can really make a big difference. And uh, we're some work out of Kansas State here. And on Palmer, it didn't make quite as much difference. But on Velvet Leaf, the early application, 6 a.m., the late application at 9 p.m., really fell off a lot in performance and so forth. You gave a little bit up on the Palmer Amaranth, not near as much as you gave up on the Velvet Leaf. And this just visually shows this. They got rows of weeds on either side to measure this. So it's just the center area that you're going to be looking at here. And uh, 6 a.m., not too good a control. You look at the 10 a.m., good control. Same thing with 1.30, 5 o'clock. But then again, you can see the problems at 9 p.m. Okay. If moisture is limiting and accompanied by high temperatures, plants develop thicker cuticles. Of course, that's going to influence control or efficacy. And let's just look at some work here. Uh, temperature at 50. This is on green foxtail, 56% control. And temperature got up to 68 and 86. We moved to 95% control. On redwood pigweed, it didn't make much difference. Yeah. But it sure made a lot of difference on green foxtail. 
and then stress on plants. Did that have an effect? Well, we're going to look here. No stress on plants with no adjuvant, about 84% control. The surfactant plus AMS, some additives there, brought it up to 93% control with no stress. Cold, though, or drought or flooding all greatly reduced efficacy. And even with the surfactant AMS, it's not great enough to compensate for the cold. It reduced control from 93 down to 80. Drought uh, really had quite an effect, 67 as well as flooding. And all these factors are important and uh, it affects your performance. Dusty conditions, let's look at that. Some herbicides, particularly Dramoxone, Touchdown, Roundup, and other glyphosate formulations are evacuated when they come in contact with soil particles, including dust. And you can see here, plants without dust, 81%. With dust, 70%. Lowered performance, about 21%. And you can see the wheel tracks. In many cases, we put larger nozzles in those wheel tracks. Now, don't go over the labeled rate, but uh, a lot of cases, if you're still under the labeled rate, you can go up to the labeled rate. And, uh, and if you don't have a residual herbicide, which you have to worry about, uh, you can, like with the uh, touchdown or roundup, those formulations, you might want to consider their paraquat increasing the uh, rate or the size nozzle in there to increase the rate performance. Okay, and one of the things we always want to point out is make sure you check the uh, herbicides for uh, compatibility. And we've got a real good information in our guide on checking compatibility. And that's the amount of things we have in this particular one. And uh, we can